Hello love, welcome back to In The Trenches podcast, a podcast by youth pastors for youth pastors. On today's episode, we have Paul Reed all the way from England talking with Charlie, Gary and Elliot about leadership development. Cheerio. What's going on, everybody? Just like Elliot said, we are back on another episode of In the Trenches. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week, wherever you are listening. I hope it's just great. Mm-hmm. Um, today, I am with Elliot and Gary. Gary's back today for this episode. We you. missed you. Um, and it, it really wasn't that bad of an episode. Usually, Except for the taco part. The taco part, yeah. That's pretty funny. There's a few things I cut out, but no one needs to know that besides right now. Oh, yeah. But we are here with a very, very special guest. Like Elliot said, Paul... Read Paul, how you doing today, man? Doing great, thanks. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I know we've tried working this out, and it just worked out that you're you're here in the States, and so I'm excited for this. But Paul, um, for anyone that's listening today that maybe don't know who you are, why don't you share just a little bit about yourself um, so they can get to know you? Well, I'm 45 years old. I'm a <laughs> pastor from uh, Manchester in England. I've been working with young people since I became a Christian at 16. So do the maths, as we say in England, and figure out how long that is. I'm horrible at math. That's why I'm faster. <laughs> I'll just, I wait for like, when someone asks a question where you have to do math like that, I just like pretend like I'm doing it and wait for someone to come up with an answer and be like, yeah, yeah, that's what I got to. That's I just smart. change the subject. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. So what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it was nearly 30 years. Gotcha. Okay. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah, on your calculator. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. I tried not to do it. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't know if you can opt out of, like, the will of God. Well, I suppose you can, but I it haven't. So. It doesn't go well. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, man. But, Paul, again, like we said, I- I'm excited that you're on the podcast today. Um, there's a, there's a, a question that we ask everybody that comes on the podcast, and that question is a just a crazy youth ministry story or just a crazy ministry story that you might have. And so um, I just kind of want to throw that to you. Do you have a crazy ministry story? Uh, yeah, you can choose. You can have uh, killed a sheep oh. or stabbed a kid. Can we get both? Stab the sheep. No. <laughs> you got you got to choose one. Stab the kid, obviously. Stabbed a kid. Yeah. You want that? Sure. We're running so, with that one. Well, I was doing an assembly in a school. I'm sorry if I say things that don't translate. Do you have assemblies? Yes. Yeah. Do you guys have pets? We have yep. freedom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, brother. Hang on. What are we, four minutes in? Good job, mate. Yeah. That yeah, took the, a lot of self-control. Let people know. <laughs> You held on to that for like minutes. Yeah, exactly. So we was doing assembly in a school and we had this brilliant idea um, to do an assembly or a talk on fear, right? Mm. And so the idea was you got a volunteer out, you blindfold them and you put a balloon underneath each arm and then in between their legs. Then um, there's a, a person across the stage with knives who they see, okay, right? Before they put the blindfold on, they see that. Yes. And then, of course, when you put the blindfold on, you don't throw knives at them. You just prop, pop them with a pin. Got Someone it. else pops them with a pin okay. and drops another knife on the ground. So everybody knows that it's not dangerous, except the blindfolded guy yeah. who's terrified. And then you go, oh, you know, Jesus will help you with your fear or whatever. Nice. I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't actually remember the, yeah, yeah. the meaningful talk. 
But so we did the the one arm. Everybody cheered. The kid is terrified. It's working sweet. Did the other arm. But the balloon between his legs was like some kind of industrial strength. <laughs> like, I don't know what balloon it was. And so I'm the, I'm the pin. I'm the pin person. Yes. So I'm the guy who sneaked out post blindfold. And I'm popping the things and dropping the, the knife. So I've got a pin in one hand, a knife in the other hand. And I'd go to pop. Everyone's like, one, two, three. Whew. Obviously doesn't throw the knife. I try to burst the balloon, but it doesn't work. So it's like super awkward. I'm looking at the fake knife thrower. He's shrugging at me. The person who's fronting it goes, okay, we're going to try again. We missed. Try again. Doesn't do it. So I'm like like signaling, go one more time. And I think, well, I'll just take the knife. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll just give it a, a quick jab. Yeah. You know. A pin doesn't do it, but a full-length kitchen knife is definitely going to do it. Yeah. One, two, three. I go straight into his leg. No, <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh my god. Into his leg. Like yeah. How far? Well, okay. So I didn't leave it like with the handle like sticking out. <laughs> yeah. But I knew I'd stabbed him. Yeah. Was there blood? And he knew I'd stabbed him, <laughs> and neither of us said anything. It's <laughs> a Wow. So he then, like, everyone's like, no one knows except me and this kid <laughs> that I have definitely drawn blood from a pupil in a school. But I'm 18. I'm thinking I'm going to jail. So I just didn't say anything. He sits back down. The assembly finishes. And, like, we're trying to debrief. And I'm like, come on, guys. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's get out of here. <laughs> no, literally, by the time I got back to the church office, the police were already oh. at church. For stabbing the kid. Yeah. So he snitched. Well, he was bleeding. Oh, okay. <laughs> in his next lesson. So got straight back in the car, drove with the police back to the school. By the time I got to the school, in the head teacher's office was the head, the um, assistant head, the head of year, him, his dad, and another police officer. Oh, my oh. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? What did you say? Yeah, what happened? Well, what can you say? I'm like, I can't deny it now. Yeah. So I just said, sorry. I'm really, really sorry. And I just got absolutely like the head teacher. The, the, the saving grace was the father of the kid was so irritated by his kid that he'd had to come out of work. He literally <laughs> just went, you idiot, slapped him around the back of the head and was like, just go back to your lesson. He's slept the kid for getting stabbed? <laughs> well, just for, I don't know, for like making a big deal about nothing type thing. So it wasn't I mean, that bad. So it wasn't it was, like he needed stitches or something. Well, if it was now, yeah. he would need like a three-night stay in hospital and like yeah, yeah, yeah. an amputation. But I'm saying he was, it would just, it drew blood, but it wasn't like Correct. a deep wound or anything. Did, yeah, you, but did you guys get invited back to that school? You would not believe that we did, but yeah. What? Did you do the same skit? Never. <laughs> I did. I didn't go back to that school for yeah. a long time after that. Yeah. Well, My, I, I got. I got. He. They went. The head teacher destroyed me. Then my pastor. Then I got back to the office. My pastor destroyed me and sent me home. Yeah, I think I have a good idea for some youth alive assemblies that we could start doing. <laughs> I was about to say, for you that are listening today on Monday, go ahead and uh, use that for a skit on your uh, midweek this week. Yeah. 
Man, that is crazy. I, I really want to know the sheep one, maybe off air, because I want to know how you... Well, we have another uh, episode, episode, so oh, we'll save we it for next week. Episode. Okay. Yes. Yeah, when we record this next week. <laughs> kill, kill the sheep, coming next week. Coming next week. But today, um, with Paul on the podcast, one of Paul's like really big um, emphasis in ministry is really leadership development. And so today, in today's podcast, that's really what we're going to talk about, really. What is leadership development? How can we be better at developing the leaders that are around us? And so, Paul, I kind of just want you to be able to share from the heart today, really, your heart and passion behind um, leadership development. Well, I think, well, I became a Christian when I was 16, even though I'd grown up in church. I I didn't say yes to Jesus until I was 16. But in that moment, I kind of, three things happened in that moment. I, I accepted, you know, Jesus, became a Christian. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I also felt, I mean, I know this now, but I didn't, I would never have known that this is what you, what you call it. But I just felt called to serve God. Mm. And so for me, discipleship, like growing as a Christian and serving God, being a leader in this context, actually have always been one and the same thing. Mm. And I think either either church culture has changed or it's just different to my own personal story. Maybe you guys can say whether you think it's which of those two it is. But definitely in the last five, ten years, I've thought, I felt like there's been this weird... Um, separation between discipleship and leadership mm. and it's kind of like you, you you kind of graduate from discipleship into leadership but I don't think that's true because I think leaders um, need to be disciples you don't stop being a disciple when you start to serve God in a in a leadership capacity but also flip side of that is I don't know if you can be a Christian without really being a leader of some kind. Yeah. Hmm. Like, an, I, I don't mean preacher, but I think that's possibly part of the problem is that we think the preacher is the leader and that's it. Yeah. But actually, when you become a Christian, because the stakes are so high, because we're talking about eternity, you are a leader because you know something that someone else doesn't. That is, it's not even like a matter of life and death. It's more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's eternal. Yeah. yeah. So, it feels weird to talk about it like a niche subject when to me it is it is being a Christian. Yeah. I think it's super interesting and Gary and Paul, your guys' perspective on this is gonna be um good because for like Charlie and I not having been in youth ministry like as long as you guys have and seen some of the cultural changes, I yeah. feel like even just like I compare it to the youth ministry I grew up in, right? And like my experience as a student, like what developed me into the leader and the disciple that I am today. Um, And just some of those, like, I I guess I would ask you to like, what principles do you think are consistent in work? Whether it's, you know, 1990, 2000, 2010 to 2020, like what are those things that are just consistently across the board throughout your guys' time in youth ministry have worked? Um, and then what are the things that you guys think you've had to kind of shift on with like, especially with Gen Z? Cause I think it's just such a different thing, even from what Charlie and I, like the youth yeah. ministry we grew up in now, the youth ministries that we're seeing and, and we're going to, there is clearly a difference. Yeah. Um, and so like, how do you effectively 
develop leaders and disciple students? Like, I guess, what are those things that you're like, these, this is what stays the same no matter what. Here's where you can kind of shift it a bit. I think one of those things is continually teaching people, especially young people, if you're working with teenagers, I think the idea that leadership is tied to a stage or a microphone mm-hmm. and it really is not. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do in, in a lot of different ways is help young people realize leadership um, is really just the opposite of that. And and even when it comes to worship, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of us deal with worship and worship teams and worship bands. We've really tried to train our young people and our, our church as a whole um, worship leading doesn't come from the stage worship leading comes from the front few rows yeah and really that really um the culture of what's happening in a service is led from the front few rows and um so we let our students know like just because you're not on a a microphone you're not on a a guitar you're leading in this worship and and how you um, open yourself up how you lead just in raising your hands and, and being present and entering in you are leading in that in that situation so I just use it as an example that leaders don't always stand in the front of the room some of the best leaders are sitting in the chairs of, of your youth ministry yeah no I think that that's huge and one of the things that even like Paul what you said that I found like was so interesting just right now is is leaders are disciples and, and disciples are, are leaders um, how would you and I guess this is a little bit more on the, the practical side how would you tackle like the instance where maybe you have a, a leader in your youth ministry that is kind of fallen away from that idea of being a disciple how would you maybe get them back on track or even for someone that's listening right now and they hear that and they feel a little bit of conviction right now that maybe they've fallen away from actually truly being a disciple and they've just leaned full into being just a leader well at the risk of sounding super old right <laughs> I think the younger you are, the longer the queue of people waiting to disciple you is. Hmm. My son is 18, and he's surrounded by great people who legitimately want to invest into him and say, hey, this is, you know, I just want to share this Bible verse with you. And, you know, the way you said that, listen, this is the way it came across. They're like falling over themselves. And I remember being, you know, sort of under 20, under 21 and and the youth pastor and maybe your parents and the teachers and there's just like there's a queue of people and it's kind of expected but you you literally have to um come to a point and i think it is revelation charlie Mm -hmm. so like when i think god has to show you this so that moment you just described you said like there might be someone listening to this thinking oh wow don't be too like disappointed with that feeling because this could be the voice of the holy spirit revealing Mm. to you that the queue is either now really small or gone. Yeah. Like there is no one because the, I, I know we don't, we're not comfortable with this language and because it's not accurate, but I can't think of another way of describing it. So I'm just going to say it and you just have to forgive the expression. The, the higher up the chain you go in leadership, mm-hmm. the, the smaller the queue because people think you don't need it mm-hmm. and because they think they're not as high up as you, so therefore they have no right to speak into your life. Yeah. So, you know, what does think of the most senior leader you can think of maybe it's the senior leader of your church or someone who's like i don't know they're like running a youth organization or they're like the the guy who's who's discipling him yeah because well two things either no one including like not himself and therefore there's a short shelf life on that ministry because you you 
what are you? Like mm -hmm. Moses, okay, I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted. Moses in Exodus 33 said to God, if your presence doesn't go with me, then don't send me. Yeah. Because, because how would the people know that, that you're with us if you don't go with us? In other words, he's saying the distinguishable, this, the distinguishable thing about me is not my style, my preaching. It is my relationship with God. And if you're not going, I'm not going. He understood that. And leaders have to understand that. And there is no graduating from that yeah. ever. Yeah. It's foundational, which means you don't lay a foundation and then go, yeah, I've done that and go and build somewhere else. Yeah. No, no, you lay a foundation and it becomes intrinsic to everything you do. So what was the question? <laughs> how do you how do you deal with I, I think it's revelation to yeah. answer your question. Like people and you need to pray for revelation. Say, God, show me. Holy Spirit, illuminate to me. But also you have to recognize that part of maturity is two things. One, I'm not gonna wait for someone to lead me in this, and two I've got such a deep commitment to my peers that I will lead them. Yeah. Because that's awkward, mm. leading your mates. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I want Elliot, I want to lead Elliot, not because he's no good, but because I need him to lead me. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question for you guys, Paul and Gary. Um, how... What has been like the most effective way for you to identify students and like adult leaders? Because because I feel like at times it can be difficult. Um, and obviously, like we're pouring out to all the people that attend our group. But I mean, Gary, you and I were talking about this, you know, not on the podcast just the other day, but just like how youth ministry is so fulfilling, but can be so draining because you're 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 giving everything. And at times you you look at like the results of like, the students who come into your ministry, but then aren't, aren't going to church anymore or aren't serving God or, you know, like, and it can feel like, uh, is falling on deaf ears or, you know, like you're, you're just doing all this. So like at what, what percentage, cause you guys have been in youth ministry and you've seen this, um, longer than we have, like, what part of that do you think is on leadership development? And then what part of that do you think? Cause like Gary, you and I were talking about, is it that the road is narrow Mm. And, you know, that there's just like that, that that's this walk is not for everybody at time, you know, like like what? Because I think that's the, the issue with leadership development is it almost becomes like if if people are falling away or they're they're leaving the church or whatever, it's because you're not doing discipleship well or you're not a good at developing leaders. So like at what point is the burden like we need to do this effectively, but also we need to understand like this does happen still, you know? Like, how do you deal with that tension, I guess, is my question. Because it's something every youth pastor that's going to be in this for a while is going to have to deal with. Like, you, there's those success stories, like Joey Leal or, you know, Andrew Bowen or some of these people, even just from your church, that you've seen come in as students and they're developed and they're even on, on staff today. And I know people like that at Audacious Church as well. Robert at... Yeah. Norco, like we all have those stories, but we also all have those individuals that come to mind right off the bat who we spent time with. We we took them to lunch, we discipled and tried to develop them, and they're not serving God. Like so, like wh how do you deal with that tension? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's in youth ministry, no matter what, 
and and I've really kind of been walking myself through some of this even recently, of just the idea that you can you can have a um, hundred kids go through your youth ministry, and um, in the end when they graduate. I would say for most youth ministries, not all, I'm sure there's great guys out there. I'm just saying there's a lot of students who don't make it, who mm-hmm. end up falling away, who go, you know, and it's easy as youth pastors to take on that burden of this is my fault. Yeah. I blew it. And I went to a funeral of a former student recently, and there's a lot of other s- former students there. And, and there's only a handful that are still serving the Lord. And, and so um, I could take on some of that blame and maybe I should some of it, but I also have to come to that realization of what scripture says and the road is narrow. Not everyone's going to come through it. So the students, the success stories are students that I believe, you know, obviously they get it. We've tried to disciple them. And, and then through that too, there's, there's students that are going to naturally um, be leaders as well. And so you're going to um, see some of them raise up and, and kind of keep going. And, and so it's it's one of those things as youth pastors you can just watch and and feel like man i i have never really developed students well or developed leaders well or you can one learn as you go and then and then figure out with the ones that have made it what did you do right now some of that is they just got it yeah they just understood others um you know i can look at um some of them and say okay i i i whether it was god that revealed that in in them to me that there's something more there and and um, I, I needed to pour into it. I needed to develop it. Um, or, you know, God was doing something in them and I just happened to be the one that was around. Um, you know, just seeing that and building on that and taking the time to um, pour into those students and develop those students. Okay, sorry, real quick. In those cases, would you say, like, think of like a Joey or a Robert or, you know, whoever that, that person is. Would you say, like, the consistent thing especially for you guys having been in this for a while with those people who have made it is there is there something different like like did they seek you out or did you see something in Mm -hmm. that you know like like is there anything you can identify or is it is it kind of random like there are just those those moments where it's like this person i i did the exact same leadership development and discipleship that i did with this other person and for whatever, and because it is going to be on them, it, like it yeah. is going to be on the individual. But I'm just saying, like in identifying that, um, is it is it just random? I wouldn't call it random because I feel like there's been those moments um, where even even now, like a like a, we have people in our youth ministry who are now graduated from high school, but now are in leadership, like Jeffrey and Carter, who yeah. who I could I could see it. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know that that's necessarily a gift in me or just time spent in youth ministry yeah. or whatnot. But I think there's t- there's there's more moments where I recognize a calling in a young person and think I need to develop that and pour into that. Um, you know, even at Paul's church, um, Jaden uh, Barrett, who just you know I only see him once every other year i haven't seen him for two years but the moment i'm with him there's something that as a pastor i could recognize there's something there's a calling on this young person and that's something that needs to be developed Mm -hmm. and so for me that happens more often but then there is the the random student who i think has their own calling and then comes to you and you and you know i have i had a, a an eighth grader even this past two weeks who who seeked me out and said i feel called to ministry and I didn't see that because I didn't know him that well. Um, but, you know, so now I know I need to pour into that. I need to develop that. I need to help him become uh, the leader that God's called him to be. And, 
and however that looks like. So, but, but more often than not, it's something that I recognize in someone else and not that I ever try to speak a calling into someone. So rarely would I go up and say, Hey, God's calling you to this as much as I would just begin to give them opportunity and and more often than not, they'll come to me and say, hey, I think I'm called to full-time ministry. That's huge that you said that because I think for me personally, especially being younger in ministry, like I've, I've tried walking that line with a few guys where it's like I don't want to speak something into their lives and that not be what God's calling them to, even though I might see that trait of leadership in them. So I think that is, that's huge. Um, in that area. But what are you thinking about, Paul? I'm just thinking that Psalm 92, right? David says, planted in the house, they will flourish. And so our ultimate goal, when we, you know, Gary was saying, you know, about the students that he saw that, you know, weren't, were no longer walking with the Lord. Walking with the Lord, what he's talking about is flourishing. It's the same thing. But the Bible's teaching us that the key to flourishing is being planted in the house. Hmm. And your goal as a youth pastor could could be redefined by saying okay how do i get all of my students planted in god's house the vehicle that they're likely to do that through will be the youth ministry when they're teenagers but the principles of plantedness are not limited and exclusive to youth ministry and so you know you need you god does not check out when you turn 18 um, youth ministry is not the church. It is a is a key vital part of the church. So if we can if we can help our students understand the power of plantedness, um, then then I think we can see them flourish and flourish and flourish. Because that's not even our promise. That's a God promise. Yeah. Mm. P- planted in the house, they will flourish. So we're going to get them planted. Yeah. So that that's you know it's not rocket science and you know you might want your money back for this free <laughs> podcast but you know that's serving God it's small group community it's um it's what what we call in our church not exclusively but what we call encounter like mm-hmm. just those God moments in worship and in response to God like those are the things that a consistent diet of that stuff will create more opportunities for people to be planted and that means when they graduate youth ministry or they get married or they start a business or they become a teacher they're actually still flourishing mm-hmm. and our measure is not are they a preacher we've already said the the preacher preacher is not preaching is not the prize anyway yeah so therefore you know there's a lot of soft outcomes that we don't measure you know so if you if you're discipling someone well it means that in 10 years time they don't have an affair well, you're not going to know about that, yeah. Because you would probably know if they did, or maybe know if they did. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? So, I think I think planted, like coming back as a team, going, okay, what does planted look like, and how can we, in this window of opportunity that will close in just two or three years, or however long it is you have them for, how can we get them set up to be planted so that they actually can flourish when they're married, when they're parents, and when they're grandparents? Yeah. And I think continuing to in the topic of developing students is in, I think Paul said this earlier, is everyone in some way, shape or form is a leader if you're going to be a follower of Christ. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and so in your youth ministry, 
giving opportunity, you know, for me, I'm a hands-on learner and that's how I lear- have learned to lead through the years. I've not, I'm not a book reader. I'm not uh, a class taker. I'm not saying I've never taken a class or done a book. I just, you know, uh, but I, I learn so much quicker when I'm hands-on mm-hmm. and developing young leaders in your youth ministry, whether they're going to be a youth pastor or they're going to be a future board member, you yeah. know, of the church and just serve in the church and in that capacity. Um, part of, of, of developing leaders is, and there's so many different things you can do. You can do certain talks about certain areas of leadership and, and do some of those things. But can I tell you that still the best way to um, train young leaders is to give them opportunity and let them have a chance. And, and um, you know, so I look at, at, at throughout um, the years that we've been doing this is even when, when Elliot was years ago and just in our internship program, making sure he had the opportunity to um, to do things and not just watch me mm-hmm. lead, but to have opportunities to lead and, and even lead his own peers and, and um, the growth that comes from every opportunity you give a young person to have that moment because what happens is you give them the chance so they either um, flourish or they fail. Yeah. But even in their failure, they're going to learn because then as their leader, you can pull them aside and say, here's where you went wrong, here's where you went right. And that's how you develop. You yeah. give students opportunity. So if you're wanting to develop the students in your youth ministry and give them opportunity, it goes back to what we've talked about a hundred times on our podcast of, of not doing everything yourself and not even letting your volunteer leaders do everything themselves, yeah. but letting your students participate, not just be attenders. Yeah. The, the tension is that we feel people are not responsible enough. Mm-hmm. But the, literally the only way you make someone responsible is give them responsibility. Like that's how it, that's how the muscle yeah. works. Mm-hmm. You have to stri- you have to stretch the muscle, the responsibility muscle, and you can do it in a measured way. But I think if you do that and you see your role as coach, not king, yeah. mm. right? You cannot be insecure about giving someone else the opportunity. That's the first thing because you're like, it not only does it not need to be me, it probably shouldn't be me. And also, if you get it wrong then what's the worst that could happen? Like, I'm going to sit down with you, I'm going to coach you in it, and then I'm going to give you another shot. Yeah. And another one, and another one. Not exclusively because of this, but also because someone did f- for you anyway. Well, this is why I'm, like, a big proponent of some level of student leadership. Like, I don't, you don't have to, like, like it doesn't have to be this, like, you have a name for it, yeah. and it's, like, they come to the meetings, although it can be that. But I think obviously with youth alive that's a huge part of what we're doing we think the best way for the campus to be reached is through students doing that which is student leadership and student development but like also just as a youth pastor i remember the thinking is with adult leaders there's a lot more at stake Mm -hmm. right if they mess up or slip up um like it's just it's a bigger deal yeah with students like i I would go into it almost expecting it, you know, mm-hmm. like not not to just like not to have um, accountability or like to, to have this standard, because I think that's what leadership does, too, is it holds you to a higher standard. It, it causes you to grow and not just settle or survive, maybe. But um, I think like that's the good thing with students is like it's it's a part of the deal. You know, if a student smokes weed in the bathroom and their student leader it's disappointing and like there's a conversation that needs to be had. But if one of your adult leaders does it, like, that's a bigger deal. Like, you know, and so I think 
that's the cool thing about student leaders is you start to develop them early. And so then maybe they do become adult leaders. And again, I think that's, we don't have to like just continue beating this drum, but as youth pastors, we have to understand student leadership and leadership development and discipleship. It's all the same thing. And it, it isn't just equating to those kids who are like, I want to be a pastor or missionary one yeah. day. Like it's so much deeper than that. It's, it's raising up, the next generation of like the future church. I, I think it was Josh Jameson put out a post that was like, if if the students you had right now were just adults right now and like they attended church the way they attend youth group or like if church was what youth group like what are you training them for? Yeah. Like what is youth ministry? Like Paul was saying, is just a, a it's supposed to be its own thing or are you, are you prepping them for what what's to come you know i think you hit it though when you said it because most youth ministries that probably even listen to this are saying i don't have the i don't have the 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 other volunteers to do a student leadership thing or i I don't know how to be creative enough to come up with a name for it and make all this but it doesn't have to be that big show yeah developing leaders and student leaders literally just comes from giving them opportunity from taking and say hey you guys are going to help me come up with this game tonight and Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be and and again not saying it can't be but it doesn't need to be this overblown big organized you know student leaders is this and it has this name and we meet at this time if you're meeting with students on Wednesday night um, and they're there, then give them opportunity, get them involved. If you want to develop young leaders, then it's as easy as just giving them a chance to be involved in, in what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think we could take this idea and put it into even like student leadership. But I remember Craig Rochelle once said at Life Church, they don't have like leadership development classes for their adults. They don't do any of that stuff. What he speaks on Sunday morning attains to them as being as developing as leaders. And even like say for those that are out there that have a small group and they're thinking to themselves, well, my small group is my my core team, and that's like who our student leaders are. Then it's like those sun, those Wednesdays or those Sundays like gear those nights as if you're speaking leadership into your students. And really, like Paul said, it's like if you're a disciple you are also a leader. And if you're a leader, you're a disciple. And so for those students that are in your youth ministry, when you develop them in the word and you develop them in what Jesus is saying, it's like they're becoming more and more like Christ. And that right there is your student leadership team. Yeah, I think what Gary was describing is really great because he's basically talking about a culture rather mm-hmm. than a program. Yeah. And you can have a program. But um, if you have a program without a culture, then you're sunk. Mm-hmm. If you have a culture but don't have the ability to have a program, then that's actually all right because the culture is powerful. And if you have a culture in your youth ministry or any team or any church that you're trying to do and the culture is that of coaching, um, mentoring, opportunities, you have a turn, I'll sharpen you, you sharpen me, then then the, the, that builds momentum. And... One of the things that I was thinking about before when Gary was talking about um, worship mm-hmm. and he said how, you know, it's not just the worship leader, it's the guys in the, the second and the third row. One of the things I've seen at youth ministries, well, let me say this about our youth ministry at Audacious Church, is that there's a habit, and I hate it, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to change it. There's a habit that leaders have is that during the service, the leaders who are not on the stage are in an arc stood up around the back hmm. which is kind of like it's not a crime you can it doesn't matter yeah. but what it, what it's saying is to a student it's like okay these guys are like they're not they're not 
they're not part of of this moment mm -hmm. and if you want to coach or lead or develop a young student then you need to be sat next to them not stood up behind them mm. yeah. and so i'm constantly saying in worship and especially during the preach i'm like go and sit with the students sit next to them and write notes yeah. even if you've heard the sermon before or you don't even like the preacher who mm -hmm. cares but lead the room from your chair yeah because there's something about that sort of like um i don't know if it's an insecurity thing that just forces us to sort of stand at the back and fold our arms and be a bit like you know i'm still a leader no no get in the midst of it get in the what we call in our church the praise pit get mm. in the in the thick of it because meaningful discipleship always takes place within the context of a relationship yeah. it never takes place exclusively in a program a preacher or a or a project it's it's people so get in amongst it if you're a leader and you you kind of like to stand at the back let me challenge you don't do that yeah. go and sit if, if you're like yeah well what if they go out to the toilets get someone else to do it yeah, yeah. Do, put one person in charge of that and then everybody else i'm exactly get in the middle of it yeah because young people young people are looking at you and if they're not they should be yeah. And if they should be, and you're stood behind them, they can't. It's good. Yeah, Come that's on. huge. Well, man, Paul, dude, thank you so much for being on today's podcast with us. There was a there was a lot of good information out there for you that are listening today. Hopefully, you guys even brought your your notebooks out and took some notes because there's some good stuff in there. But Elliot, Gary, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Mm -hmm. Paul, it was a pleasure. Uh, make sure to tune in for the next one. We have Paul back on. Actually, this is episode 40, so it was kind of a special episode wow. to have Paul on. I know, right? Next one will be episode 41, and we'll have Paul back on it. But other than that, guys, we love you guys, and we will catch you on the next podcast.